0: everybody, and welcome to another BP Movie Journal, the show we do where we talk about the stuff we've seen since the last time we did one of these. I'm David. I'm Tyler. And uh, here's the deal, Tyler. I've been uh, out of town or catching up on work from being out of town since the last time we did one of these. Mm. I have have
1: not seen a single movie in the past week. I've seen four. So let's get started then. All right. So, And I've written reviews for two of these You can find them on the website But the first one is for a a film called The Meddler Starring Susan Sarandon, Rose Byrne, J.K. Simmons, and others Directed by Lorraine Scafaria? That's correct Or Lorena Scafaria? Uh, I don't have it in front of me, I do not recall But yes, that is correct, that sounds right Um, Director of Seeking a Friend for the End of the World Which I did not see, but I know a lot of people don't care for is that
0: correct? Did you see it? I didn't, but I know some people do like it quite a bit.
1: Okay, okay. Um, yeah, so The Meddler is not a perfect film, but the word that comes to mind, and I worked it into my review a couple of times, um, is lovely. It is a lovely film. Um, the way it is written, the the way the characters are crafted, and especially the way they're acted, is just so... There's so much attention to detail. There's, there's so much affection for these characters and so much of this film could have gone wrong because we have, you know, we have an older woman who is, who's been widowed and she's kind of living on her own and, and is sort of just doing her own thing at this point. and, you know, we've seen movies like this before where she winds up just sometimes it's a man, sometimes it's a woman. But the idea is like, all right, somebody in their 60s and they're doing things that are decidedly un-60s-ish. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just I usually roll my eyes at it. It's just like, oh, look at this person getting high. Yes, got it. <laughs> um And even though there is that scene in this film uh and it doesn't totally work it also doesn't not work it doesn't make nothing in this film makes me roll my eyes and so many there's so many things that that so many opportunities for it to go horribly wrong but the I don't know the like I said affection for the characters and a real interest in the characters and where they are coming from and what drives them um, is really what makes this movie work and you know, the performances are great all around Rose Byrne and JK Simmons and supporting roles really do a great job. Uh, but it's really Susan Sarandon's film and I have not seen her in a lead performance in quite a while. And, uh, and I, and in supporting performances, I haven't seen her in, any, in anything this dynamic and memorable. Um, this, if this film were, Bigger, and I don't know how big it's going to get, but I feel like it's not going to be that big. Like this is a, a best actress type of performance in my opinion. I think she's really doing remarkable work because she's, she's this character that is kind of silly and kind of eccentric. Um, she speaks with like a New Jersey accent, but it never comes. She's never a caricature. I'm never laughing at her. Uh, even when she's doing kind of goofy, silly things. Uh, and even when she's annoying, Um, I don't know, just uh, Sarandon just like imbues her with such humanity that she's absolutely, she's just completely watchable. Like I'm just mesmerized every, every time she's on screen. Like it is, you know, uh, I highly, highly recommend the film in general, um, I was going to say the film in general and Susan Sarandon specifically, she is the movie, you know, uh, but it's, it's well written. It's well directed performance performances all around. Great. But Susan Sarandon is something of, I would say she's a revelation, but we all knew how good she could be, but I feel like she hasn't been this good in so long that it's actually kind of a revelation that she still okay. has this in her. Uh, so it's marvelous.
0: Looking at her filmography, the last thing I would have seen her in is cloud Atlas.
1: Yeah, I think I might have seen her in one more thing since then. You, but yeah, Did that's, you see Tammy? I did not. Okay. But yeah, but like often supporting performances, you know, um, somebody's mom or a grandma or something like that. And, you know, this happens with, with people, you know, you think of somebody like Robert De Niro or, mm-hmm. you know, Al Pacino or just these other people or Dustin Hoffman who kind of move away from being leads and i know pacino has done some like independent stuff but they move away from being leads and they wind up being supporting characters and the only way to really get a lead is to be like oh look at this it's you know like the bucket list or something like that i know that none of them are in that but um so you're saying this this isn't dirty grandma but it could have been (laughs) it it absolutely could have been no question about it and uh yeah, I really, I would venture to say I love this movie, and I think most people would enjoy it. Fantastic. That's good so, to hear. Um, okay, so next I saw a film that I think you might have seen, but I'm not sure. That'll be fun. Which is uh, 99 Homes. Uh,
0: yeah, I did see that.
1: Okay. What did you think?
0: I like it quite a bit. I'm uh, I'm into Ramin Barani. Uh, I, I tend to like his movies. Remind
1: me what else he did.
0: Um, well, the last thing he did before this was the one that I'm already figuring the name of with Dennis Quaid and Zac Efron. But before that, um, he did, uh, um, chop shop was one of his. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's, there's, there's more, uh, I'm, I'm drawing a blank right now. Um, he had like three big indie successes okay. uh, and then he did the Dennis Quaid, Zac Efron one, which I liked at any price is what it's called. Oh wow. I okay. liked, but uh, a lot of people, uh, see it as a step down for him.
1: Um, I don't even remember it. <laughs> Uh, but did you did you like Ninety Nine Homes? I really did. I liked it quite a bit um, for a number of reasons. Um, you know, doing the Oscar draft, the awards draft that we talk about, um, one person that remained undrafted despite getting a lot of critic, w- despite potentially getting a lot of critical points was Michael Shannon for supporting actor. Mm-hmm. None of us got him at, at the beginning, and we were all kind of locked into our supporting actors, and I don't think anybody snatched him up. Um, and so with that in mind, I was like, I got to watch this 99 homes movie because I like Michael Shannon and I like the idea that he's turning in, you know, potentially award worthy work. And so I saw it and it really, uh, you know, in some ways it kind of felt somewhat conventional, uh, in regards to the the lead Andrew Garfield does a good job with it. It's fine. But, uh, the, the story is something that I, that I feel like I've seen before the sto- uh,
0: I think I said this, uh, you'd have to go back to our movie journal from last fall or whenever, whenever I, uh, I saw it, I said that it is more conventional on paper, I think, than it actually feels in execution. And it's yeah. because the performances are great. You mentioned the two male leads is also Laura Dern, who's uh, yeah. always fantastic and everything.
1: Welcome um, presence and everything.
0: Yeah. Um, and Ramin Barani just has a great, sense for uh just tactile touches you know that make it feel uh make it feel like a real place a real lived in place and and he lends naturalism even to I mean the the movie has a a climax that's pretty movieish
1: no question about it but it
0: doesn't feel like it cuts corners to get there i don't think so
1: and what's more is the movieish aspect of that conclusion um you know it's not michael clayton it's not oh the the corrupt the corruption has been exposed without going into a lot of detail it could just look like oh this big uh, admission that the main character has made was just something he was saying to diffuse the situation but in actuality that's not the, everything's mm-hmm. fine and things are going to just going to keep going as they have that's kind of the vibe i got actually that uh but that Yeah, that's open to interpretation. And I and I think that is to the film's credit. But yeah, Michael Shannon especially, I think, does a really a really great job of creating a character that I have a hard time condemning. He's li- I feel like he's very likable, or at the very least, very charismatic. Um and there is a moment when okay, so I feel bad getting political, but the film has, you know, some political things to say. Um one thing that bothered me about the Big Short, and this is something that I wanted to talk about uh, this past um, this past episode with Scott and Josh, because mm-hmm. um, Josh and I, neither of us, I liked The Big Short more than he did, but we both agreed that from a political standpoint, it was actually too narrow, that there was plenty of blame to go around, but that uh, they focused in primarily on like Wall Street and bankers, and they didn't really talk about just the general refusal on anybody's part to do the responsible thing, and that includes legislators. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a moment when when uh, Michael Shannon just kind of launches into this thing talking about he didn't want to be in the business he's in. He was in a different business, but then so many people chose to do this thing. They chose to deregulate, um, They ch- and then banks chose to give loans to people that... Really should not have had loans. Uh, and I say that recognizing that it makes you sound like a jerk, but if you can't pay it back, like your life will be worse mm. after this. You know, yes, you got a house for a while, good for you. But at the same time, those people were being misled on top of everything else. And so that's actually one of the things that I like about the film is that it actually acknowledges that, you know, whenever you get a crisis like that, there is a lot of blame to go around. And, and, and they managed to take that and specify it to the character, to Michael Chan's characters himself so that it doesn't, and maybe it does to some people, but to me, it doesn't seem like he's looking at the camera and saying, here's what caused it. It seems like something he's genuinely been thinking about and is angry about. And it's something that has sort of kept him going. And this general feeling of like, you know what? It's dog eat dog and I'm not going to get eaten.
0: Yeah, I'm you know. glad you said that because I don't think that's uh, how a lot of people feel about that character because he uh on on the surface he does seem pretty his his actions do seem unconscionable and irredeemable oh, sure. because he's uh you know the face of ruining people's lives in a lot of in a lot of ways but I I I felt the same way when you get a sense of uh, you get a glimpse of his home life and you get the when it starts to dawn on you that he didn't get into the real estate business to do this part of the real estate business which isn't even really real estate anymore. Yeah. Uh and that he's was maybe once a regular guy who was now
1: covered in sort of protective calluses. That's that is a great way of putting it because and it, ha- it you see it elsewhere in the film you see characters that have a sense of, like, no, there's right and wrong, and I'm just going to work hard. I'm going to do what I what I can to make money and provide for my family. Um, and invariably, when these people are faced with the opportunity to, like, do the wrong thing, couched in the idea of, well, you're screwing the government out of such, an you know, a certain amount of money, the people wind up taking kind of the same attitude that michael shannon does but on a smaller scale where they're like well the government's been screwing me for years so you know what yeah time to get mine like the idea of morality gets pushed aside out of you know necessity um which is something that i find very fascinating and, and it's a film that really is um i think in the last movie journal i talked about uh, get a job mm-hmm. and that it was on the shelf for four years it was supposed to come out in 2012 and it's a movie very much about the recession and that sort of thing and it feels like it was released too late because at this point, the recession is over. It's a We're in a recovery mode. It is a slow recovery. It's a small recovery. And so it feels like Get a Job doesn't really apply anymore. Whereas 99 Homes, I think, you know, the these characters, people are, you know, and it, it takes place in 2010. That's the other thing. Mm-hmm. But you're seeing it happen as, like, the cynicism and the feeling of, like, I am on my own, uh, is really starting to cement. And this idea of, of being, becoming calloused to, you know, these, these ideas that I used to cling to and think are so important. Yeah, those didn't really get me anywhere except maybe kicked out of my house. So you know what, to hell with everything. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do what I need to do. Um, and when, to me, when you look at Andrew Garfield's character and you look at the other people that he talks to and how many people are willing to do the wrong thing. I feel like it, it throws light on Michael Shannon. You realize like, well, he just did it on a larger scale and he's enabling them to do it, but somebody enabled him to do it as well. Mm -hmm. So I feel like there's, there's, there's blame to go around, but there's also a certain degree of sympathy to go around. It's a it is a very remarkable film. The it it walks quite a few uh uh fine lines um between becoming preachy or becoming or or specificity and I think it walks it pretty much completely. It's uh it's a very very good film.
0: All right. What's next? <laughs> have I seen this one too?
1: No, you have not. Have I seen the one after that? Yeah, I think so. Yes. Okay, well this is fun. So, uh yeah, the next one I saw is actually another Michael Shannon film by, uh, I want to say Liza or Lisa, I don't know, uh, Johnson. It is Elvis and Nixon with Michael Shannon as Elvis and Kevin Spacey as Nixon. And it is sort of the fictionalized account of what went on for when, uh, Elvis went to the white house and got his badge to be a federal agent at large and that sort of thing. And they got that photo taken. Um, so is it like, does it take place in like real time? No, it takes place over the course of. It's not like it's all in that meeting. You know, it's it's the few days leading up to okay. it. Like Elvis gets this idea, he recruits his friends. You know, and it kind of turns into this idea of like all the president's men, and if you want to look at it, all the king's men, because uh-huh. Elvis is the king. <laughs> yeah, um, that's true. Uh, so all these, all the like underlings are working together to make this happen. Because the White House is actually very eager to have him... Sorry, maybe not Nixon, but everybody else is very eager to have Elvis there because, oh, this is going to look great. This is going to help Nixon's image problem quite a bit. Uh, And then, you know, Elvis's guys just want to make him happy. And so you have all these people working towards this this meeting. But the film in... In general, the film is just kind of a shrug. Um, Hmm. I... Michael Shannon is doing some interesting work and the writing of Elvis is interesting because they do seem to really want to push aside our, our ideas of Elvis and that, you know, people imitate Elvis like he is, he is an icon with mannerisms and all these things. And Michael Shannon tries to avoid that. I think sometimes to the film's detriment, but really tries to get more to the heart of, you know, this, backwoods kid who wound up super famous. Um, And so that is to the film's credit that it wants to try to cut through that. It wants to take this inherently goofy little factoid of American history Mm -hmm. that these two icons met each other. um, And it wants to really try to explore that. And it also does a little thing where it explores the idea that the only reason that Elvis is in the room is because he's famous. Like Richard Nixon does not care about him as a person. He cares about, I want a picture next to the sideburns. I want a picture next to the goofy outfit because that is Elvis. And so there's an element of like of Elvis just not being... There's Elvis the man and Elvis the legend, and the, the legend is slowly but surely swallowing the man up. So there's a lot of interesting stuff going on there. The film is not nearly as interested in delving into Nixon, uh, and I, I don't think it has necessarily an obligation to do so. But I will say that if you're, when you've got a movie called Elvis and Nixon and you show Elvis as being nuanced and sympathetic and Nixon as just a human cartoon, it feels like a film is just trying to have it both ways and is trying to play. It's like, okay, see now we can get to the goofiness and the, and the, the comedy of this situation. And she's like, okay, that's fine. But you really just made us feel something uh, special for Elvis. But now that he's in the room with Nixon, now you have him doing his goofy karate and stuff like that. And it's just I don't know, the film winds up trying to go two places two mm. diametrically opposed places at once, and it winds up being just kind of this frustrating thing.
0: Um I forget, did you see Lee Daniels The Butler? No, I did not. No, you should check that out. It's a great movie.
1: Lee Daniels, the the butler? Lee Daniels,
0: Lee Daniels, the butler. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I wonder who's the better Nixon, John Cusack
1: or Kevin Spacey? Well, it depends on what you're trying to do. If it's about mannerisms, it's probably Kevin Spacey. If it's about trying to get to the heart of the character, I'd venture to say it's probably John Cusack. Not because Kevin Spacey can't do that, but because this film does not require him to do that. Mm. And that bothers me tremendously um i will say that there is a in the screening room because i you know we like to tell these stories there was a guy in the back row who let's just say that mel brooks looks at that guy and says you're overdoing it like this guy was so delightfully stereotypically Jewish I mean <laughs> it was so much fun to hear him talk particularly because he said a lot of the stereotypical things just talk and just complaining about the the screening room complaint. By the way, I'm not, I don't mean to sound like I'm bashing Jews or anything. I, I love this guy. You, oh, you uh, love Jews. I, I, I actually kind of do, <laughs> you know. Um, but, uh, I have a tr- God's chosen people, you know, get on, get on board. And that's what I say. Um, but like, he but was saying,
0: just, he, so he, he complained that it was too cold in the screening room. <laughs>
1: it wasn't quite
0: that. But he was like,
1: he was sitting, it was the uh, Rodeo screening room, which is, you know, very long and in the back, and it's pretty dark too. Yeah. And if you sit all the way in the back, it's dark. You're not under a light. And he's complaining about how it's too dark to read the notes that they gave you. And so, <laughs> yeah. And then, and then uh I happen to but be I mean, in the
0: R- Rodeo screening room, by the way. RIP Charles Adakoff screening room.
1: Yeah. I which agree. is the
0: same room. I know. But was better run, by which I mean it had a bunch of free candy. <laughs> yeah. They, a have, free a, candy
1: they here. have a bowl of peppermints. Yeah. Come peppermints.
0: On. You know. Come on, on my on my on my on my way
1: out of an Olive Garden. Yes, I need a bowl of peppermints. What am I doing homework? You know, because <laughs> peppermints are just like oh, you're on your. It's an obligation because you want your breath to smell good for other people. <laughs> you know, you don't. Nobody eats a peppermint because this is so much fun. A candy cane, maybe because it's in a cane form. But uh, anyway, uh, so the moment the movie is over, I mean smash cut to black and the guy's just like that movie was terrible (laughs) (laughs) just announced it for everybody and then i found and then i found myself in the uh in the elevator with this gentleman and he uh he's like so what did you think of that movie i'm not good at the voice i apologize (laughs) otherwise i could go straight up like full yiddish but he didn't sound like that he's like so what did you think of the movie i'd be like uh you know so so i think it had as much (laughs) as i didn't get much out before he's like i thought it was terrible (laughs) (laughs) but then as i was as so he left the elevator first he's like thank you for your honesty i
0: was like (laughs) you didn't let me say anything
1: what the hell are you talking (laughs) about man so (laughs) anyway it was a fun experience i I hope to see that man again um okay and then my uh my last film is a rewatch that i think you've seen i'm not sure it's fred zinneman's a man for all seasons um yeah i watched it with you yeah okay um back when we lived together many years ago many many years ago at this point um yeah so i'm uh going to be at the international christian film festival next week in orlando so if you're in the florida area sorry if you're in the orlando area florida's pretty big um if you are in orlando or the surrounding area feel free to uh check out the international Christian film festival come up and keep me company at my table where I will be sitting all day long for hours on end where is it uh, we're in Orlando yeah oh it is I forget the name of the actual it's at a hotel okay um, and they've the convention it's the festival is getting bigger and bigger so it's it takes up multiple rooms at this point um, but it is actually it's like on the Disney world property oh cool. so yeah um, but yeah you can you can you know, Google international Christian film festival and look it up and you can find out everything you need to know. But, uh, but yeah, if you want to come and keep me company, then uh, feel free to do so. But anyway, uh, I, I purchased for cheap a number of DVDs that, uh, I will be selling. Um, the purpose of which is not to get money. Like I'm, I'm marking, I'm marking them slightly up so that I'm not out a lot of money, okay. but it's more just there, there are movies that I often recommend in situations like this, you know, uh chariots of fire um believe me which is a christian film i've been recommending up and down um and a man for all seasons and so i bought them on dvd so that at the very least i could be recommending these movies and say by the way i have it here if you want it you know uh, but i'm not going to be giving them away you know come on um but uh but yeah and so i hadn't seen uh Man for All Seasons in a while so I threw it in the other day and watched it and um, and I still really love it. I think it is a wonderfully written. I think it's a lot sharper than people recall. Um, there's a lot of really, really uh, there's a lot of really good cynicism, a lot of really good sarcasm and I like that uh, Paul Schofield plays the main character who's a fairly righteous man but he plays him as a guy who has a pretty high opinion of himself um, and probably a pretty low opinion of other people. Like his, he is still a holy guy. He's still a man of integrity, but I think he, there's a little bit of, there's a pious quality to him that comes through that I really like. Um, I also really love Robert Shaw in the film as King, King Henry, Henry the
0: eighth. Yeah. Cause I remember everyone that showed the Tudors started and it was Jonathan Reese Myers as King Henry the eighth. And I was all, uh, well, this wouldn't have applied at the time, but I was like, uh, hashtag, not my King Henry Theater.
1: <laughs> well, mine will always be Charles Lawton, of course. Okay. Um, I think I'm uh, Robert Shaw. Nothing wrong with that. Robert Shaw is, in watching it again, she's like, man, he's really doing interesting things. Like, he plays him as a king, a guy that everybody will, tell y- will say yes to. So he basically plays him like a petulant child. See, yeah, I kind
0: of see him as... Is Robert Shaw as Teddy Roosevelt as King of the a- Sure, <laughs> absolutely,
1: absolutely. There's a lot of that. Um, but, uh, and then I'll tell you who, the more times, I think I've seen the film probably like three or four times at this point. Um, every time I see it, I have more respect for Orson Welles' performance, who's only in one scene, really. Mm-hmm. Um, plays Cardinal Wolsey. And the bulk of the cynicism is him. I mean a guy who's you know he's a representative of the church he's supposed to be the he's like the least holy character of the bunch and there's just there's an element that Wells brings to him of just contempt for everybody, maybe most of all himself um there's really there's a lot going on in that performance but the the film um, in general is is really good there's not a lot of you know, it's it's fairly straightforward, in the filmmaking as Fred Zinnemann uh, tended to do. Um, but it's it's a it's a very good movie, very well written,
0: very well acted. I know. I always uh, I bring this over every chance I I get. Um, speaking of Cardinal Wolsey, did you ever get around to seeing Wolf Hall, the miniseries? No, not yet. Jonathan Price plays Cardinal Wolsey. Uh, it's a very it's oh, a nice. different take. I'm sure, and he's in- more opportunistic than cynis- cynical in in uh, in
1: this and i tell you uh leo mckern has been uh jumping out at me uh in this film who plays um cromwell and, and that's, of course the um mark
0: rylance uh yes uh role in wolf hall
1: yeah everyone uh, should watch
0: wolf hall i've been saying it for the better I've part heard. of a year
1: now <laughs> who's uh who's uh more is thomas more in it
0: uh yeah um and i don't remember um don't, I, I don't want to say and get it wrong because uh, I keep
1: getting it mixed up with the Tudors because Jeremy Northam Jeremy plays Northam. yeah yeah and Sam Neill I think played Wolsey right uh yeah that sounds right yes I haven't seen a single episode of it but you told me this and I remember like those casting choices being interesting to me but um and of course Damian Lewis plays um uh King Henry VIII in in Wolf Hall is he, how is he compared He's to, uh, compared to a, a Robert Shaw? He's fantastic. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm, I, I need to see it. Uh, I, I like Mark Rylance, what I've, what I've seen of him. And everybody says that Wolf Hall is really what propelled him to be cast in, in major motion pictures and eventually uh, win that Oscar. Um,
0: okay. uh, Thomas More played by an actor named
1: Anton Lesser. Anton Lesser. That does not sound familiar to me. Um, he, yeah,
0: um because you don't watch game of thrones oh that's He's, true uh kyburn on game of thrones kyburn that's game of son thrones of a bitch no kind
1: of oh all right um but yeah it's uh, i i really enjoy the film and uh i think people might view it as kind of dour and boring but i feel like if you if you enjoy language um it's a film you know based on a play uh the language is very very um pointed and so yeah i highly recommend it that is the last film that i saw so we can move on to television
0: yeah i mean uh i i, I only really have the amazing race the only other things i'm keeping up because i'm not really watching much uh tv as i yeah. have said for a year now uh, this is september so half a year um but uh last man on earth uh jason sudeikis is uh Uh, I mean, I guess, I don't know how much of it, I guess if you're too far behind, then sorry, this is a spoiler that Jason Sudeikis is on the show, Mm -hmm. but he's um, now a pretty regular part of the show and uh, has been um, a a lot of fun. Like Jason Sudeikis is usually, I, I mean, almost
1: exclusively plays like nice Characters. I watched the episode that you told me about, which is his first appearance, which is like a whole episode with him and Mark Boone Jr. No, that's not his
0: first appearance. That's, oh, okay. but that's his first full episode. Oh, okay. He, right. His first appearance, he appeared in the season. Um, I think he appeared in the season one finale, maybe. Um, and then there were bits of him, it kept cutting him up in space over the course of the first half of season two. Okay. And then when season two came back from his break, they did the first episode that was just him okay so you watch that so you saw him as a nice guy there yes I did yeah and then when he catches up because he plays Wilforte's brother and he catches up to his brother you see that that they have this antagonistic relationship and maybe a lot of the part uh, a lot of the reason that uh, Wilforte's character is the way he is with this incredible insecurity complex is because he was uh, you know picked on and abused by his younger brother <laughs> Uh, um, uh, all this time. And, do they uh, have more
1: flashbacks of them as kids? No, they
0: don't have that. That's too bad. But like, you do get to see how everyone else sees Jason Sudeikis as the Jason Sudeikis type. Yeah. But we see him from Will Forte's point of view where he's kind of a sadist.
1: Hmm. That's fun. <laughs> it is. It has been a lot of fun. I need to go back and just watch it from the beginning um, so that I can understand all these characters and <laughs> that kind of thing. But... Um, yeah, uh, before we uh, move on, I will say real quick, uh, sorry, everybody, about last week's movie journal. This is a thing that has happened once or twice where it cuts off at the very end.
0: Yeah. It, and, it um, seems to be an issue with our... No, we thought it was an issue with our host. Okay. Um, there are there have been new developments that might be happening somewhere else, but this is... Uh, yeah, I, I was just emailing with uh, Samantha, oh, okay. uh today, but this is not for oh, on-mic okay. right. uh, stuff. So it's
1: not it, a situation that our server got that our host uh got tired of us talking about amazing race and they're like okay enough
0: no it just it seems to happen with uh really long episodes that uh, yeah at some point it it cuts off the end
1: so we don't need to worry about this one Hopefully not. Yeah, this is going to be... I have a lot to say about Amazing Race. Um, What
0: what do you have besides Amazing Race? Obviously,
1: you're watching Survivor. Obviously, Survivor, and so you can hear me talk more in depth about it over at uh, Worth Playing For, which you can find at BattleshipRetention.com, where I do the podcast with my wife, Jen. Um, But yeah, this season is great. They have not had one bad episode. Every tribal council has been fascinating. Great players. How Um, many
0: medevacs in are we? Two. We are two medevacs. In. There are more medevacs this season than ever, ever before. Well, we were told
1: that going in. Were we told more than ever before, or I don't know? Because there was a, oh, there was I one thought, episode. One you said more. There was one episode where. Well, maybe that's the impression that I that I that I got. But. More medical emergencies than ever before, I'll say that. There was one challenge I think I told you about where uh, three people collapsed from heat stroke. One of them had to be evacuated. The other two were still in the game.
0: And there's been another medevac since then.
1: Yes. Uh, A guy, uh, uh, his knee got infected, and so he had to be uh, removed. So. (laughs) and it's unfortunate because he was like my favorite player of the season. But uh thankfully there's enough other really great players that uh and just really entertaining people and it's just a really solid season. It's like if it keeps going the way it is and I can't imagine it won't. Um if it keeps going the way it is, I feel like this is this is like a top 3 season for me. Nice. It's really great. Okay, so we can move on to Amazing Race.
0: Right, this is the Dubai episode. Yeah. Uh where they um so I, I, I forget how it's because it's six days between the minute it airs when we yeah. do this. So I, 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 tend to forget, uh, large chunks of it. Um, but the second part at the Dubai, the Aqua Venture or whatever, yeah. which was a return to a
1: classic, um, yeah. amazing race location. Now, was that recent enough that you had seen that? No, but I, I had heard about it at the time mm-hmm. and then Jen has told me about it and I believe they even had a clip. Yeah, they that, did have
0: yeah. a clip. Um, they didn't have the whole clip, which is th- like, okay, so there was a slide where it's a really high water slide at this yeah. Venture Park. Um, and there was a couple, and the woman is afraid of heights, I guess. Or maybe she was afraid of water. I can't believe Whatever I, heights, it was. I uh, yeah, whatever it was, she really didn't want to go down the slide. And um, her, I don't know, boyfriend, fiance, husband, I can't remember at this point who, what their relationship was, was... Um, I don't think he handled it very well. She clearly was having a bit, like an anxiety yeah. attack. Um, yeah. and you can't blame her too much for that. Um, but he, uh, he wasn't a, exactly a very soothing or comforting presence yeah. and probably made things worse. Uh, actually I know Yeah, he definitely made things worse. Uh, and it was a very memorable race moment because they lost, they yeah. got eliminated because, um, she couldn't go on the slide. Um, <laughs> What you didn't miss is they uh, or what you didn't see from the original episode that I love because this is when the uh, I think this is the first time the Harlem Globetrotters were on. Oh, OK. And they were the team behind them. Yeah. And they had a that team had a certain point to decide whether or not they were going to go on the slide um, or, or give up. And then the Globetrotters could go. So they're waiting there. And so the whole time that she's freaking out and he's trying to get her to just just go on the slide, it's a million dollars. You'll be fine, like just like yelling at her. You got the glove shutters going, "I don't know, I wouldn't do it <laughs> 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 so that and then the second they decide. Okay, we're not going to go up. The two Globetrotters just oh, shoot down
1: the slide. Of course. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, classic amazing race moment. They returned to it. Um, there were no freakouts uh, this time. No. It wasn't the same slide because Aquaventure has since installed a new one that it's, it's more that like,
1: terrifying, perhaps.
0: Uh, yeah, but it's. I, I mean, I've never felt like I got to go to Dubai, but I got to go to Dubai because this water slide is incredible. So yeah. you get into this, it's not like a slide. You have to stand in this, like, glass sarcophagus
1: yeah it's like right? uh, like a sleep chamber from alien
0: <laughs> right and then you stand up and you have to hold your you know cross your arms in front of yourself and the bottom drops out and you could slide
1: yeah straight down this one looked based on the limited amount of exposure that i had to that other slide this one looked way steeper yeah, yeah. higher and steeper yeah uh
0: yes because Beca- it doesn't give you the beginning of the slide part you know uh before it drops off it starts at the drop off yeah you're just you're right there
1: oh can you imagine if that woman had to do that and her and her boyfriend has to be like it's fine just get in the coffin (laughs) (laughs) just get in the thing that's like a like a casket everything will be perfectly fine yeah um yeah so that was that was a a great deal of fun um okay go ahead it's always fascinating to me what people, when people acknowledge their own limitations and you can tell, yeah, they know. Like when, I forget if it was Kurt or Brody, I think it was Brody, who just could not get that puzzle done. Uh-huh. He just couldn't. It's not even a puzzle. It's just like a, it's like a, just a little game Yeah, where, you know, you've got these letters floating in the, in this water and, container.
0: By the way, like we all have little like useless skills mm-hmm. but like as soon as i saw that game i was like oh, i'd kill at that oh I'd,
1: sure i'd be so good at that yeah <laughs> like,
0: it's... It, it's not going to get me anywhere in life but i could i could manipulate yeah. that thing to slide those letters into place under the water oh yeah i we, could do that
1: we all have those moments where like <laughs> there, years ago they had one where it's like oh you have to name uh, these uh, the various uh, leaders of russia throughout the last hundred years and like hell yes. (laughs) I was like, I can do that. You know, if I was on this race and I made it to the seventh leg, which is highly unlikely because I can't do anything else. (laughs) But if Jen managed to drag me all the way, if I, if we'd gotten saved a couple times, uh, and we got all the way there, I'm going to nail that Russian leader challenge. Um, but yeah, so, uh, but the fact that they use the express pass to, I mean, it seemed like a waste, but at the same time, when you know you can't do it, I mean, you could just tell like he was trying, and I—he doesn't seem like the type that would give up.
0: Yeah, I, I guess it was strategic. I because that puzzle doesn't seem that hard to me. I was—I know—I was, I know. I, I, I was uh, a little bit disappointed, but it was wise of them to use the express pass early enough before other teams realized that they. was a very smart. So call. now they still have the uh, psychological advantage of uh, every other team thinks they have an express pass. Yes. Um, a couple of other things, uh, the, the, the team that keeps getting saved, the mother and son, yeah. um, there, uh, it's weird that they keep getting <laughs> saved first because they were still racing and this time it was a non-elimination leg. Yeah. Um, and that's an interesting thing actually, because I've held for years now the, the, cause there's the, you're still racing legs mm-hmm. and I think for logistic purposes, those can't be. Those have to be predetermined. Yeah. But with the non-elimination legs, I have held for years that those are made at the producer's discretion on on the
1: day. Yeah, it's never assholes, I've noticed. Yeah, but why them? Like, Not that not that I hate them, but it's like, are they good enough TV, those two? I think, uh, in my opinion, no. But I could see people really having an affection. In fi- I have an affection for Sherry. I think she's yeah. okay. She's way more capable than I thought she was going to be. And Cole has calmed down quite a bit as well. But, um, but this is something my wife pointed out. Okay. Uh,
0: it's there because divi- you've got the, I've been watching the show since almost the beginning. I don't know which one's the roadblock and which one's the detour yeah. or whatever, but the one that only one of them can do. Yeah. Okay. Their decision on who does it has baffled.
1: baffling. Yes, it is.
0: Like, it why does like she it keep shouldn't... doing like, he is this like, he, you see, you saw him in this episode without a shirt on. He's yeah. in great shape. Yes.
1: Why is she doing all the physical challenges and he's doing a puzzle over here? Like, well, apparently he's got time to get in great shape cause he's not doing anything else in the world. <laughs> yeah. Um,
0: it, yeah, it, it is puzzling to me, but I, 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 I like them. I now remember
1: how the episode started, which was, uh, racing those camels or doing the other thing. Um, Which was the other thing? I remember the camel where they have to lead camels like through the desert and then drink like camel milk uh, or something like that. Right. Um, but yeah, uh, both Cole and Sherry did great at the camel race. Like they, I think they did better than the uh, frisbee guys. Yeah, it, it was uh, that. Like um, Sherry's actually a much stronger physical cha- uh, threat than I thought.
0: Yeah, that's true. Um, I felt so bad for. Brody, whoever, who like couldn't walk after, uh, yeah. after doing that, 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 that was intense. Um, but we need to talk about the thing that happened at the end, the, the meltdown yeah. between, um, the couple who's, I don't know their names. Matt
1: and Dana, I believe.
0: Okay. Um, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean. It, Did that it, make you uncomfortable? Um, it, no, it, it made me want to be in his shoes and I think here's the thing about me when there's, um, I think we talked about this last season. Um, I think the feminist sympathizer in me usually when a couple argues, I usually want to try and see things from the woman's point of view. It is something I try to do.
1: I naturally Uh, assume that you would be more sympathetic to her than I am. And I think uh, you might
0: be less. No, I, I couldn't believe, but it started even before the meltdown at the end. Yeah. When they're walking those camels, she's, not like she she's more affected by the sun than he sure. in, in that in that moment. And she's furious at him. Yeah. Not for doing anything wrong, but just for not being as tired as she is yeah. or, or or as like beaten down by the sun. Like there's something something wrong with her psychologically. Well, right. That that's her reaction be, is to get so
1: mad at him. It would be one thing just, if his attitude was acting as though she should be as impervious to the sun as he is like if he was saying like it's like come on honey it's not if he was being dismissive of her of her pain yeah but But he wasn't what we saw yeah
0: she was just furious yeah that he was not as tired and then this is in the end i wanted to be in his shoes because i wanted to just be like fine you know what i'm gonna go wait in the car you cool down and uh if you want to run this race i'm here to run it for you but i'm not gonna have this argument with you
1: yeah it's because it's not even an argument. Like it's, uh, you know, an argument even as bad as they can get an actual argument is you say something. I say something. We both get stuff off our chest. We move towards a conclusion. This was a genuine meltdown and there's nothing really, and I understand people get stressed, you know, they, they have meltdowns, but like it just, And and what, what set it off that he asked her to repeat the directions, not merely repeat, but one could say, uh, Interpret and adapt, which is like she said very clearly what the directions were. He's like, okay, yes, but but what what does that mean? And asked as though she should know. Right. When all what, she has is the information she's yeah. reading. So I understand her frustration. Um but at the same time, like the way I saw so I understand her frustration, but I can also see that he's basically saying, like, okay, let's work this out. Let's work out what that means as far as where we are right now. Um and she just took it. Uh, I'll be uh, gracious and just say uh, I'll be generous and just say she took it the wrong way. Let's say here's
0: to compare. If, if okay. any, in case anyone's listening who didn't watch the show, here's how I compare a reaction. Imagine I'm walking uh, through my living room. I stub my toe on the coffee table. Yeah, and I irrationally I go, "Oh God damn it!" Yeah, and like yell at the coffee table for a second. Yeah, that's an overreaction, sure. but it's within the realm of acceptability. Yeah. Now imagine I stub my t- toe on the coffee table and then I picked the coffee table up, throw it into the driveway, break it into pieces and light it on fire.
1: Yeah. That would be akin to what her reaction was here. That's about right. Where she, uh, <laughs> she took their relationship, <laughs> broke it into pieces and lit it on fire. Yeah. Um, you know, and then by the end, you know, that's the thing is like, but by the end, like, she seemed very, it's kind of a shitty thing to say in this situation, but, like, she seemed very humbled, uh, and so did he, that, like, by the end, it's well, so, like, you know, we still love each other, but, like, there are major things we need to work but on. But
0: did you notice the interviews at the end, they weren't
1: together? I did notice they that, yes. were on.
0: They were being interviewed on their own. Yes. Um. I wonder what that means. Maybe they just needed a, a cooling-off period, and they decided to spend...
1: The pit stop not in each other's immediate company and it they'll c- get back at it it could also be honestly like this is cynical of me the producers could have been like i know what we'll do like <laughs> it'll be more dramatic if we interview them this way right right i'm, I'm yeah. not gonna put that past no, cbs that's, producers that's an entirely possible
0: uh yeah it was a
1: an exciting episode i want to go to dubai yeah so do i and i jen and i were talking like it's a place she wants to go anyway. And I was just like, yeah, I'm sure it's pretty. And then we go, I don't even like water parks, but I'm like, hell yeah, let's <laughs> do that. Like that slide would terrify me, but oh, how exhilarating would it be? Yeah.
0: But there's also been on past trips to Dubai where they go to like the indoor ski resorts. Have you seen those?
1: Yes. Yes. Yeah. They did that recently. I, I right? think they've
0: done it a couple times. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's great. I, I, I'm not too. that interested in skiing, but I would want to go, I would want to be in Dubai in the middle of the desert, and then have to get bundled up and go like eat at the patio like restaurant on the mountain indoors. Like have like hot chocolate. That would be a fun. And then you be make, like really extreme cosplay.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you make the mistake of like stepping outside, just to have a cigarette, <laughs> and just the and you immediately like <laughs> <burnt> melt. <and> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is a good season too. I'm really liking it. Yeah.
0: All right. Uh, we got a good 45 minutes out of this. All right. All right.